Welcome to RN.FM, Nursing Unleashed, where every Monday night, nurse bloggers Kevin Ross, Keith Carlson, and Anna Morrison bring you ultra-informative interviews with the top thought leaders in nursing, healthcare, and entrepreneurship. Join us every week for the latest strategies for nursing success from top nursing consultants, business owners, coaches, authors, speakers, and bloggers. It's never been easier to learn how to succeed as a nurse. Welcome to an eye-opening experience you won't find anywhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. All right. Good evening. It's actually me, Kevin Ross, doing the introduction this evening. Uh, unfortunately, we have uh, were a woman down, a nurse down. Um, Anna, just want to give a shout out to you. Keith and I are thinking about you. Uh, she's taking a, a night off, uh, but I'm sure she'll be listening to our show in the archives. And of course, actually, you can also check us out on Apple iTunes. And of course, we have a wonderful guest, uh, Gwen Dalton um, from Hospice uh, uh, Heroes, um, but but or I'm sorry, Pro Hospice Solutions. But first <laughs> off, let's talk about the the guests that are coming up. Um, on March 26th, we actually have uh, Michael Pergram. Uh, at uh, and that's Coach Perg. He is the nursing burnout coach. And then on April second, we actually have Dr. Dean Burke, physician and author of the book The Millionaire Nurse. And of course, I want to go ahead and uh, introduce my, or at least reintroduce to you, my wonderful co-host Keith Carlson. Well, hello everyone out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Radio Land, Internet Land, out on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, thank you for being here with us. We are tweet chatting at pound RNFM radio if anyone wants to join the tweet chat. And there's also a chat here on Blog Talk Radio at RNFM if anyone would like to chat there. We often have people um, chatting there as well. And if you have questions, you can post them on tweet chat. You can post them on the chat within Blog Talk Radio, and we'll bring the questions to Gwen. And we want to let you know that this is a call-in show. We will leave space for people to call in. And the number to call is 347-308-8064. That's 347-308-8064. Please call in and tweet chat in, and we'd love to have you all on the show. And Kevin, thanks for the uh, introduction. And I would like to introduce our esteemed guest, who is Gwen Dalton. She's a registered nurse. She's been working as a nurse for 22 years with diverse experience in healthcare, specifically and particularly in hospice. And this qualifies her to reflect the needs and concerns of nurses as hospice professionals and learners. Uh, she has quite an extensive resume in terms of her education and her work. Um, and after doing quite a few different types of nursing, including working in the operating room, she began to work for hospice and really discovered her true passion. She's done case management, quality assurance, and has held positions in various facilities, especially in, the, in Texas. Uh, and she participates as a guest speaker for Baylor University's death and dying classes. And what it says on her website is that through all of these positions, Gwen became acutely aware of the role nurses play in providing the necessary palliative care for their patients, but she wasn't satisfied with the scope of her knowledge and sought to expand her understanding of hospice by serving as administrator and clinical director for a hospice in Harker Heights, Texas. And then with all of her experience, she saw that there was a gap in education and training for nurses and medical professionals, so she opened Pro Hospice Solutions, LLC. So she's the owner and clinical specialist, 
and they want to address this gap and ensure that clinicians are empowered to accept and embrace the gift of providing compassionate care for the patients. So Gwen is very dedicated to providing this training and support for hospice heroes and healthcare warriors out there who are fighting for the end-of-life rights for people all around our country and around the world. And Gwen, we're very happy to have you here and talk about your work in hospice and your, as an entrepreneur. So uh, why don't you say hello? Well, hello, everyone, and thank you. Now you said it all. See, now I don't have to say anything. You've said oh, it all. Well, what else would you like to say? <laughs> wow, thank you for that. Oh, my gosh. Now like I've told you in pretty, you guys might have to stop me because I can, when it comes to talking about hospice and, and, and um, end-of-life care, it does, it is deep in my heart, and so it is something that, you know, I can just go on and on about, so... Um, well, we like we like to have people on this show who are passionate about what they do. So that's exactly. why we wanted to have you on, and that's why you're here. Yep, and this oh, is and you, you basically have the floor now to uh, oh. you know, give give us that uh, all that information that you're so passionate about. Right. Um, okay. And and you can certainly talk uh, if you want to elaborate further about um, your nursing background. Uh, I mean, I know Keith okay. kind of touched on that, but but feel free right. to kind of give us the story, the build up. Okay. Well, like he like he said, when I graduated um, the o, out of out of nursing school, I did actually go to the OR because and and I if you have to laugh, you have to laugh. But I am a nurse who doesn't do vomit, and that was the only place where nobody throws up. So I did. I spent two years in in the OR and just didn't feel at all satisfied. At not, not at all satisfied about being a nurse. It was almost an embarrassment for me because all I did was put catheters in, and then I didn't get any. No talking, no nothing with the patient. They were asleep. So I, I wasn't satisfied there. I ended up going to actually home care first and was really enjoying my, you know, home care experience. I, I was there for many years, and I, I loved going to see the patients. I loved being in their homes, good homes, bad homes, you know, homes that didn't have floors, homes with roaches. I didn't care. I, I loved I loved the generosity and the, and the uh, you know, feeling of the patients and how they embraced me just being present. So I was happy doing that, but I came across a home care that I worked for that, that was building a hospice. And, you know, their um, director kept coming by my desk and saying, you're a hospice nurse and you don't know it. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. You know, I am I love that my patients get better and all the I've run into a couple of hospice nurses and their patients die and that has to be so depressing. And so I really ran from it until at that particular home care we were forced to um, – take training in hospice because they were going to use us as dual roles. You know, we had to do both. So I had to go to a, a workshop, and a video was shown, and I have to say this, Ira Bach is my hospice guru. I am, was so inspired by his HBO video that we were that we had to watch mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I uh, kept kept getting this, this situation thinking, oh, I, I would love to do that. I can do that. And then I would say, no, no, I don't want to do that. I fought this calling for months months I fought this calling but it got louder and louder and I, honestly I have to tell everybody out there you know I'm a nice Jewish girl and I didn't know we get callings but we do we get <laughs> callings and I got a very loud calling so finally I went to that that administrator for that hospice who kept saying you're a hospice nurse and you don't know it and I said well tell me a little bit more about it and 15 years later here I am and not one not one I owe not one second have I ever regretted any experience that I've had in hospice, the good ones and the bad ones, the, you know, the, the dealings with administration, the dealings with I have, have not regretted one moment of being 
in the hospice world. So I'm very mm. grateful to have gotten that calling. Well, well that and, really. Go ahead, but, Kevin. Well, no, no, I was going to say, just building on what you were saying, that you don't do vomit. But, however, part of your calling was that you were able to go into people's homes and, and visit their cockroaches as well. So you, you don't do vomit, you but you, did, you, you could do that. There is a lot of humor. There are some patients of mine and some families who are probably, if they were listening, they would laugh. But my patients learn how to vomit without me in the room. They did, it was like a, a rule. You don't vomit when Gwen is here. It was just one of the uh-huh. house rules. And there were some times when they couldn't abide by those and, and so I'd be running down the hall, but I, I, I would be yelling, are you okay, are you okay? I mean, I mean, it, it, there's like humor involved in that with me and my patients. And, and there were some times when I couldn't get out of the room fast enough, so I, I was there for them. But it, And they did teach me, you know, I can say the word vomit now. I used to couldn't even say it. So, wow. so they, oh, they helped good. me make progress. Yes. Wow. Well, well, Glenn, I, I know. I learned a lot from the dying. Well, that's wonderful because every nurse has the thing that they can't do. I think most <laughs> most nurses anyway. And, you know, you could do the cockroaches. You could do all the other stuff. Blood and, and guts. Blood and guts. Right. And, I can do all and, that. And, you know, a lot of nurses can't do death. A lot of nurses don't right. want to touch death. And exactly. the fact that, you know, if of course, here you have this little thing that you don't do vomit. But here you are touching death and, and really being there for people when they're dying. And that speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. So, you know, it's it's funny about about you know, you see what your limitation is, but I'm also looking at what your amazing strength is and, and what you're bringing to the world. So I just have to point that out at the same time. Yeah, actually, I, if you were standing here, you could see that it brings a tear to my eyes. It's very, very deep for me. And yeah. it is, to me, a such an honor. And and I don't know, maybe I got very lucky. I I went into it and somehow knew that, you know, that little thin boundary that I needed that that kept me healthy, you know, spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, and physically healthy in order to be there for them, it came natural. So that's how I know that it, it you know, I know when I walk in that door that I can't fix the actual progress of this disease, but there are so many things that I can do. And if I walk away with that funeral home, hearing the feedback and knowing that I did a good job, it, I get chills. I mean, there's nothing that feels better for me. Mm. That's the calmest mm-hmm. I am in my life. And I'm a high-strung, I'm very high-strung. I'm sure you can tell by the way I'm talking. And, 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 <laughs> and if you know the nice Jewish girls, you know we can be very high-strung. But when that door opens and I'm walking into the patient's house, there is no time in my life that I'm ever calmer. And not, mm. everything is so calm and everything is so right. Great. It's amazing. And I don't even do it on purpose. It just happens. Right. So I am very lucky right. that way. I'm blessed. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you certainly found it. It is interesting because I think I talked about um, on one of the shows when I, I used to work at Johns Hopkins in the cardiothoracic ICU. And mm-hmm. it was amazing um, when you've got multiple um, you know, vasopressors going, multiple medications, multiple channels, machines, beeping, all kinds of noise. And yet, for me, it was very therapeutic. Um, <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but it was just something no. that, for me, it spoke to me. Um, that environment spoke to me. Um, and it's amazing that you have truly found your passion. It's amazing when it clicks like that, when you find does, your passion. It, it, it energizes me. It sure. really does energize me. It 
when when I have a family that's going crazy and doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to think, doesn't know how to deal with anything, and then, and then somehow the, the right words come out, the the right touch comes, and and I can see those those bricks just falling down. They're they're accepting me, they're connecting with me, they're letting me help them. Nothing is better for me other than I, mm. I do have my children and my grandchildren and, and my family, and I do love them. But this is where I'm calmest. Right. And it feels so good to be able to do that. And and one of the things about my what I did, why I started this company is I, I have come across so many nurses who wanted to feel like that, who, who, who came with expectations to hospice programs to feel like that, didn't get, it, did, it wasn't quite the experience they were hoping for. So they never got to feel that feeling that I feel to this day. And I find ways of getting out there to see patients. I still, I took a weekend job you know, so that I can still see patients. I, I help take call for some of my hospice friends' hospices, and I, you know, so I find ways of still being with patients, and I still feel it to this day. Every single experience, I feel it. So, one of the reasons why I'm here, do being a nurse entrepreneur and doing this kind of uh, training, and is to help them, you know, have the tools and everything, so that when they get out there, they can feel what I feel. Mm, right. Hopefully. Right. Well, good segue there, Gwen. So ultimately, when we talk about your company, overall, I mean, what is, what's the mission of your company? The mission of our company, Pro Hospice Solutions, is to provide training and support for hospice heroes and healthcare warriors who continue to fight for the end-of-life rights. So those who want, who have come to the, you know, end-of-life caregiving, whether it be consumers or professionals, we want to be there to give them the, um, the the mentoring type training that 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 you don't see anymore. I mean, you may in some places. I'm not, and I don't want anybody. Please don't take offense. I don't mean every hospice doesn't provide you know thorough training or internships or mentorships. Which honestly, I believe that hospice is such a specialty that it deserves a a mentorship or an internship or a preceptorship of some kind. Because although it isn't technical equipment, there's a lot of technicalities and there's a lot of skills and a lot of things that people have to learn that they really weren't taught anywhere else, so there's a lot a lot of tools we need to give them. But but in my experience as I saw the trends and changes and be you know, worked not only as case manager but then went into directing the nurses and then went into administrating, uh and you could see the trends changing and I, I some want to admit it and some don't, but there's a lot of lacking in that kind of training. And it shows in how nurses are working out in the field and how they're using their interdisciplinary team and how uh-huh. you know, all this stuff works together. And so the outcomes are not like they should be. And and it, and I'm honestly, it, it bothers me. I want to change. I want to help. I want to help. I want to help hospice programs. If they don't have the time or the money to do it themselves, I, I want to help. Right. Prepare their right. people. So that's our mission. Our mission is to help. I want to get consumers involved so that we can also help. And, again, I, I, who knows how people are going to feel about what I'm going to say, but you read all the time about all this, you know, you know, healthcare fraud and, you know, home care fraud, hospice fraud. I think if we help consumers truly know exactly what to expect, exactly what it should be like, exactly what people are billing for, then they can help. They're, they feel empowered. They feel confident. They're going to get the service they deserve because they know what they're supposed to be getting. 
And if they're not getting it, they can speak up. They can feel empowered and confident to say, you know, you're this is um, you're supposed to really be doing a full assessment on my husband, or you're supposed to be count, you know counting my meds, keeping up. You're supposed to educate me on this. I have the right sure. to say when you come. I mean, all those things, you know that that they can say if they feel if they know what they're supposed to be getting. So I, right. that's our goal right. and our mission is to try to help fill those gaps. Well, it, it's interesting too, Gwen. Um, I I, I kind of wanted to sort of call out when I was looking at your website, and then of course going on over into your YouTube channel, and and I frequent YouTube <laughs> myself. I, I I consume media there, but I also uh, put content up there. I. Mm-hmm. I have to say, so I'll just start it out here, just my own personal opinion. I appreciate what you did. I appreciate sort of the, the humor, sort of the com- comedic approach um, to the videos. I mean, if if you haven't seen them, I, I know you have, Gwen, but, but our listeners out there going to. <laughs> that horrible nurse that was on there, that right. nurse does not really act that way. I want you to know that. Right. It, we, yeah. I, I thought it was quite interesting. So, uh, all the listeners out there, of course, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about her website uh, at, at the, you know, throughout the show. But prohospicesolutions.com, and ultimately the videos are just laid out there on the on the homepage. And then, of course, her YouTube channel um, is Pro Hospice Solutions, and you can see how they lay it out. And now, who was that? Uh, who's the gentleman with you in, in the okay. videos? Okay. <laughs> Please lay this out for us. Okay, uh, we. Okay, when I went to this gentleman to to tell him what my goals were, this is a person I have to say I've known for 46 years because that is my brother. But he is he is a educator by trade. He has a master's degree in English literature, and he has such writing ability that I knew in my heart that this was the right person for me to talk to to help get my vision out. I, for one, felt like, and, and he agreed, humor attracts, it's it's a it's a good way to get people's attention. There's a we're talking about very serious information, right? But but if you right. if if you can we embellished on the things that we thought were not quite right how how ineffective communication would be. We embellished that in humor and you know, we put it out on the um LinkedIn groups that I belong to and I gotta tell you, we got some very, very good feedback. People saw what we wanted them to see. We wanted them to enjoy the humor, catch that humor, but they saw the problems, you know, mm-hmm. with how that nurse, you know, communicated with this poor wife. And, and Bill does play the wife, and he also plays the husband. So in, <laughs> we, we tried to make it humorous because we thought that would help people stay interested and, and so they wouldn't get bored with, and, and they would um, be, get passionate about. When you saw it, when I see that nurse, and I am that nurse, but when I watch that video, it bothers me to see that nurse acting that way, chewing that gum and insisting on just signing this paper like a like a like a Nazi concentration camp general. Sign the papers, you know. No no sense of looking at the patient and no, never t- called her by name and did all these horrible things and never explained a thing to her. You know, I I hurt for her. And when we do our live workshops, we do the same thing. We have this live case study with these. That person is Dee, Dee, Dee Lester. She's become a she's become real to me. And Vernon Lester, they've all become real to me, even though they're they're not real. But that's how we feel about it. We tried to create a real family so that when people are watching it, they're feeling like they're there at the patient's house, even with our online courses. That they still get that, so that they feel like they're they're watching the information. They read it and then they see it applied. Mm, right. You no, know, mm-hmm. so that's our. 
That's why we did it. And we like humor. Yeah, I want to show too that Hansa doesn't have to be doom and gloom. That's right. That's right. Humor is very important. And um, I appreciate that you that you bring that in, Gwen. And, and you mentioned your online education and you mentioned a couple other services. Can you outline a little bit what services that Pro Hospice Solutions provides so our listeners can have more of an idea of what, what you actually do? I can. I, I would thank you for that. And and I do. Sure. You know, we have we we do live workshops. We have a, a bill. Again, this is somebody who who's been educating for 20 years and didn't know anything about hospice, but took my vision and created the most wonderful seven-hour workshop to start off our series. So we have a live workshop. So we are, you know, we have them, you know, going on all over the Central Texas. Now we we are willing to go anywhere and everywhere that uh, anybody would want that wonderful live seven-hour CE, and it's it's approved for, you know, we're trying to reach all disciplines, the, the social workers, nursing home administrators who need to know about death and dying. So our workshops are built for uh, lots of people to, to, right now this one is about um, creating the care plan because that's a start. It's a, it's a series. Then we're going to do symptom management, mm-hmm. then we're going to do bereavement. So we're going to carry this family all the way through from meeting the family to, to the death of the family and the bereavement portion. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are are um, putting that same series in smaller versions at a time, you know, like two, two hours to ease, everything on uh, line, and it is on uh, pedagogy.com. We, have, we partnered with Pedagogy, and they are going to be uh, having our, our uh, online course, and we got our first one up at Pedagogy. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say that, which, and it also, our online courses have those videos so that, you know, they're, Again, I, I took the course myself just so I could, you know, see how it felt. And, you know, it's it's nice to read a little. Get, so for every every one of our uh, chapters, there's going to be a video. So everybody can look forward to that. They go to and take our courses. Great. Um, Great. We also do mentorship programs. I built a mentorship program, and that's also on our uh, website. They can see that because, and I've done it before for some small hospices that, you know, didn't, you know, didn't some of them don't have any idea about how they they create a hospice, and they really didn't know much about how to do hospice. So they brought me in, and I've created an entire mentorship so that I would be their mentor. I would um, it's an eight hour program, and then I do write outs with them, and then I am available to them 24 hours a day for uh, some of them. They're still calling me a year later, but I said a month, but they still call me, and I who am I? To, I'm not going to turn them away. Right. Um, right. We do webinars. We are partnered with Healthcare First, which is like the greatest electric electronic medical record ever. I've used them for years, but they were so gracious. They uh, have partnered with us to do webinars to also teach about end-of-life care different. We're going to do bereavement. We're doing the care plan. We're doing symptom management. We're doing all kinds of webinars with them. Uh, I do auditing. I, I want to teach clinicians how to understand their charts and how to – there's so many things about a chart you need to know, um, the hospice language, you know, what you're assessing for, how, how you know, there's a difference between assessing for a hospice patient and assessing for a nursing home patient, and there's just different languages assessing for a, a hospital patient, different languages that mm-hmm. you use and different things that surveyors are looking for. So I want to help them understand. So I do auditing for the hospice programs. Um, a couple of them I'm doing this month in Dallas. Um, Great. And I want to help them pass their surveys. We, um, we have publications coming up. Bill is writing books. We have a series of books that are coming out. Um, we are going to be doing it. I've been invited to be a host of a forum on the um, Immortum site, which is a wonderful site for people 
you know, who are it's all about death and dying and and preserving things for the for their future uh, family members or friends, and they're going to be uh, having a he invited me. David Levy is the host of that one, and has invited me to to host my own forum for Prohospice Solutions, and it's going to be about trying to solve some of the issues. You know, what are people's ideas and and uh, what can we all do together to bring about some change, some some good change, some you know bring swing the pendulum back the other way. Mm. Um, let's see. Now, what about that's, consumer that's education? Yeah, it is quite a bit. And and what right. about consumer education? Yes. What do you offer consumer, for consumers? I, we have a wonderful um, uh, uh, mini seminar, we call it, and that the goal of that is. Again, please, no offense to anybody, but the goal of that is is to really empower consumers. I, I, I find that there are times when people are in a big hurry, when they go to do admissions for patients, and they really want that paperwork signed, just kind of like that nurse. They want the paperwork signed so they can get home. And consumers aren't really aware of the services, their rights, and all the things that they should be aware of. I want to make them aware because... I think if they feel empowered and they feel like they're they're helping, I think we can stop. Number one, I think we can help maybe a new nurse who who um, maybe she wasn't trained well. The consumer themselves can help teach them by saying, you know, you're really supposed to do this and you're really supposed to do that, and weren't you supposed to do? It will help them, you know, kind of step up a little bit, and mm-hmm. also for the consumer to know this is what you you do your end of life. Care rights. I mean, these are the things that you deserve. These are the services that you deserve. If they know that and they're not getting it, maybe they will feel empowered to say something about it. And so they're right. they're helping me and everyone else to to stop some of the the trends that are going on right now. And to deliver they're the best care it. that right, and to deliver the best care that they deserve and their loved ones deserve. And they and sometimes they don't know what they could have. They may think it's a good. It's wonderful. Somebody came by, you know, and they were here for ten minutes, and and the social worker came by, and they were here for five seconds once a month, and the and the, and, the, and the nurse came in and she said, "Hey, how's it going? Everything's good." And she had her bag in her hands and her keys, and she's okay. Well, I'll see you next time. You know, they might think, "Oh, that's just wonderful," because they didn't know that it actually should have been better, or could have mm. been better. Mm-hmm. They're in such a, they're so distraught. They didn't know how, what it should be like or could be like until like that one lady in Florida who got the bill for her dad and was just amazed by all the money that was billed out and the, the, the tiny little bit of service that they got. Right. So right. I think if we can empower consumers all over, we got a lot of baby boomer people. We got a baby. I'm a baby boomer kid. I've got parents who are failing. I, I lost my dad a month ago. So, we, you know, and he was on hospice, and luckily I knew about hospice. What if I didn't? And what if right. the service was really bad? I mean, I, would, I wouldn't have known if I didn't know about hospice. So my goal is to, I mean, to rile people up, to right. get the consumers involved, make them, help them be responsible for helping us fix some of the problems. Sure. Mm. Well, and, you know, Gwen, touching on, and of course, I know to all of the listeners out there, Gwen had brought up about her father's passing, and and we didn't want to talk about it on the air unless you know Gwen, you were <laughs> ready to to do so. Um, but but you really kind of had a perspective of of ultimately what what our patients and our families uh, are going through, and you know talking about with, with Keith's question with the consumer education and the outreach, um, we certainly talked about death and dying on 
the show uh, a few weeks back, and and we brought up the uh, five wishes. And mm-hmm. I'm not, is that something that you uh, talk to people about, five wishes, or something similar to that, on basically sort of preparing for end of life, that next transition? Um, you know, and 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 like I said, is there any light you can shed on that for us? Um, you know, when you're when you're doing that consumer outreach, is that something that you talk about with them? I, in a way, yes. I mean, okay. my approach may be a little different, but I know that everything that I experienced, you know, with my dad, um, <clears throat> I can I can I could see myself out there sitting with patients and families, touching their shoulders, touching their hands validating their feelings, telling them that all these things are normal. But 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 then I'd leave. You know, I'd go home. Right. Well, this experience did did help me in the fact that you know, I fought not being I, I wanted to be the best nurse for my dad. I did. I you, you, I just wanted to know and be able to answer every question for every family member who was there 24 hours a day. But there came a time when I was realizing I, I, I didn't have any answers. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know why he was blinking his eyes. I didn't know why he was, you know, why he made a little cough, why he moved his arm. I, they, they wanted to know everything, and I couldn't answer. I felt he had the worst terminal agitation I'd ever seen. I felt like the most inadequate hospice nurse ever for that, for that wow. moment. I got mad at him. You know, I got mad at him because I kept thinking, why are you fighting me? And, and then I got to a point where it's like, why don't you just go? You know, why are you doing this? Felt guilty about saying that and feeling that. I mean, it was just all the things that that I knew other people were feeling. But now right. I lived it, and so and you it were ju- bring- you were juggling. You were definitely juggling both sides, or you know, just all angles, and really sort of straddling the fence there, trying to be nurse professional, but also you know the family member going through that. Um, exactly, and it's and- difficult. But I do know now what it. For real, I know. I mean, I've always felt like I was a comfort to them and I could connect with them, always. And right. I felt, I, I, I don't, I, I think that I have made a difference. And, and there's a lot of, I'm not talented in anything else, but that is the one thing I can do is connect. <laughs> and um, and I felt like I've done that. But now I, I truly do see it. I see it even deeper. I mean, it's even deeper. And I, I thank my dad for that. I thank him for kind of putting me through hell so that I could, you know, see for that those four days you know the, the last four days were the tough days the rest of it he did great he was the perfect guy going through this he was he's a military officer and he was just like a like a champ just like an officer i mean he, he he was so grateful but that last four days was just like oh my god who is this right mm-hmm. uh, well, so yeah i did learn and 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 i do i do use a lot of um listening and and and, and le- looking for those windows of communication those windows of opportunity to, to bring up those subjects and to, you know, uh, help people learn how to talk about it. You know, right. talk about mm-hmm. what's bothering you, talk about these really difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. I look for those windows, and I want to make, I hope, that's what I'm trying to do is to try to inspire people to want to look for that, to want to, um, that's a comforting thing. And so, right, sure. Stop me, you're sure. rambling. Stop me, stop me. Well, no, no, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a great segue, I think, possibly into our one of our next questions here in that um, what do you think would be one of the more pressing issues in end-of-life care today? Either, you know, a couple of those or maybe just one of the most important pressing issues. For me, for mm-hmm. me, I, I education, 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 and uh, I do 
I'm not doubting online courses because we have online courses and we are on a, we love the courses the, the the site where we have our courses. But I think there should be a balance. I think you know the education where nurses learn their skills along with other nurses, live interaction, live inner you know when we're interacting with each other in a room and we are talking and we are sharing experiences and we are saying why did you do that and we were you know i think we need that too we need some some better better ways of educating not necessarily cheaper that everything is cheaper and free this and free that i i don't think it's it's helping us hone our skills mhm in end of life care so I, education is huge to me it's just huge i, I think mm. we can a lot of things if we can get some good education to people before they're out there in the field and why they're out there in the field, you know, like mentoring them why they're out there. Right. So you're you're referring specifically to healthcare professionals and nurses who are out there in the field working in hospice and death and dying um, right. venues. And, and not only nurses, though, like the whole interdisciplinary team, you uh-huh. know, because I okay. think there are social workers who come in, chaplains who come in who honestly don't get any training either. And so, honestly, the whole team is out there, you know, trying to do a wonderful job, don't know how to work. They don't even understand what each other's roles are, don't know how to work together, don't know what their individual roles really are. I mean, they're out there trying to learn on their own, and right now it's very fast-paced, and it's not like it was when I started where, you know, we sort of had a lot of time to, you know, mentor each other and, you know, really spend – I learned a lot I from from the most wonderful social worker in the world. I learned a lot of my approaches from social work and chaplain because we spent a lot of time together out in the field. But they don't sure. have that kind of time now. And so no. yeah. nobody knows a lot of them don't know how to even use each other. How do how do we work together? Because if, if anywhere in the world where teamwork is important, it's hospice. Right. And speaking of that team what about doctors who are involved in hospice? Because I've worked in hospice, most you know, home care based, and often there's a doctor kind of in the background who obviously signs off on you know all the meds that are dispensed to the patients and is kind of the the medical advisor to the hospice group, as it were. What about those doctors? What about the ones who are out there? as the advisors in signing off on hospices, do they really know what's going on or is there a disconnect there as well? <clears throat> good question. That is okay. a good question. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's a very, very good question. And All right. If, <laughs> doctors, there I, have, I have worked with some, some good medical directors that are for the hospice. Now, when, when you're talking about doctors who are attending physicians for a patient and you just call them and say, hey, Will you follow this patient for hospice? I think that's where we get a little bit of an issue. Some of these doctors, you know, are not paying one bit of attention. They, 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 you know, they really don't know. They haven't seen this patient in a year or two. They don't really know what's going on. They'll sign anything that comes through. And I think the government has tried real hard to kind of stop some of that by requiring after so long you have to have face-to-face where you actually have to have a physician go out and see the patient, mm, which right. – um, is, is helping a little bit. Um, where I think also there's some disconnect, and I and I and I one of the things I love about speaking at Baylor and Death and Dying is there's always a, there's always pre med students in those classes, and to try to catch them is to try to help doctors with all the training that's been going on, all the times we've tried to educate doctors on, we still can't get them to be comfortable 
with the idea right. of hospice, with the conversation they should have with that patient and that family. But, you know, right. a lot of times they don't have that conversation. The patient's been referred to hospice. No one's even talked to them about it. So what happens, I walk into a beehive, and, and I have to start that conversation. Right. That's, it's kind of nice when someone's already paved the way for a, for a hospice to come in because then the shock is kind of, you know, the little bit of the shock is out of the way. But, right. you know, I've learned to deal with that too. But what we hope to do is one day create curriculum that somebody wants to, uh, that medical schools will, will incorporate because it's very, very important. Now there's so, look at baby boomers. We've got 18 years of baby boomers coming, that's coming through. There's going to be right. a lot of need to have those conversations. I mean, a lot of need. And so we need to get them comfortable with having right. that so that, so that, um, Hospice can begin when it needs to begin, and also so that they know what is appropriate and what is not. What a hospice patient, you know, what is the appropriate a candidate for hospice and what is not. Stop signing orders that aren't that aren't um, mm-hmm. that aren't the people aren't appropriate. I, I I I'm not an advocate of fraud. I'm just not. Right. Not in this so, right. So what I'm getting from you is that there there are some docs working in hospice there who are who are. I don't want to offend anyone, but they're kind of rubber stamping stuff and kind of leaving it to the nurses to call the shots, basically. And they're not involved. They don't actually meet any of the patients. They're basically like a medical advisor. Is that is that kind of like the yes, case? Yes, and that's getting harder and harder for them because sure. now they have to do, you know, face-to-face or send their at least their PAs, you know, their nurse practitioners to do, um, face-to-face. So they're getting, they're having to become, they're having to be a little bit more involved than, than they used to be. Most of them have, uh, are working in their own, different practices and working in hospitals, uh, nursing home docs. So they're, they're, you know, they make the meetings and they sign off. And, and the one thing I have to say though, if you have a good hospice nurse who, a good hospice team who truly knows they know their symptom management. They know what a pa- they're they're true to what a patient should how it qualify a patient. You know they really know how to and they're giving report to that doctor and he can trust what they're saying. I'm okay with that. But right, those who just truly don't even they're not even listening to what the nurse is telling them. They're just signing papers as you go along because it's a requirement. Not so happy about yeah. that. Well, and, and you know the thing is too, Gwen, is I, I think that. And 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 I agree with Keith. I, I certainly don't want to offend anyone here, um, any Neither. of our health, ordering, you know, or prescribing healthcare providers out there. But certainly, we um, love all of them, don't we? we oh, love sure, them. We sure. Love you. <laughs> it, it's just, yeah, there are definitely two pieces here, and you're kind of talking about sort of that that doc who um, probably sees hospice care as as one of those things that this goes against all of their training. Their training to exactly. treat and 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 cure. But on the flip side of that, too, um, and I think one of your videos, one of your humorous videos uh, you talked about, and I I think this was the message that you were conveying, and I was actually talking to Keith about this earlier before the show, in that um, just because someone is is taking that next uh, step, that next going through that door of end of life, doesn't mean that they should suffer. And I think you were kind of talking about a nebulizer treatment for one of your patients, and ultimately, um, you know, still having the uh, physician or the healthcare provider ordering for uh, things that, that provide comfort to the patient. Exactly. I mean, we still, we don't let them just drown in their, you know, secretions or, um, you oh. know, if they're having trouble breathing and suffering. I mean, that's that's not the deal. I mean, um, ultimately, we're still treating the patient and we're helping them. We're assisting them through that next phase. Um, 
Without a doubt, they don't lose any. They don't lose any. They they have their autonomy. They have their um, whatever. You, any way we can find a comfort them medically, spiritually, and uh, psychosocially, we we're there to do it. it, it your physical um, symptoms are probably the ones you want to get out of the way first because they can't deal with anything else. If if you're sitting there in pain or you can't breathe, that's really your only focus. Right. And things that you might want to get out or discuss that are bothering you emotionally or spiritually, you you really can't deal with those. So, yes, there we are we are constantly uh, assessing physical needs, but also the psychosocial and the spiritual. They are they are never to be left out because sometimes those physical needs are are what we we perceive as physical physical pain or or suffering is not. Right. Right, mm-hmm. and, but but we we do have doctors that write that do that do approve orders that, that that we get orders from, and we need them to care, we need them to listen, we need them to react quickly because we're at bedside, and things are happening right then and there, and we just it's not one of those things where you can just kind of wait around a couple hours for a doctor to call you back. We, you just can't. Right. You've got exactly. families looking at you, watching you. Your patient is coming out of the bed. You know, in such terminal agitation, they're gasping for breath, they're gurgling all over the place. You can't wait. You have mm-hmm. to have physicians who who care, right? Who react, right. who who are who are, you know, twenty four seven, just like we are. Right. Well, and and to all of our listeners out there, uh, and of course all those in tweet chat on uh, hashtag RNFM Radio, the chat room on Blog Talk Radio, um, and then of course all of our listeners either via phone or, or the internet. Certainly, please feel free to call in um, at 347-308-8064. If, if you can actually, uh, if you have a story to relate, uh, questions, concerns, feedback, if you are also a nurse out there that, that has, has dealt with, with similar issues, um, please feel free to call in, and, and uh, we'd, we'd certainly love to take your call and your questions um, or, or any, any comments that you may have. You so. bet. I love talking to hospice people. <laughs> The oh, yeah. work, girl, yeah. and yeah. I love it. So, so Glenn, I have a question for you. Um, okay. How, well, I hope how, I can answer it. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. <laughs> how did you transition from being a bedside hospice nurse to being a nurse entrepreneur? What was that? What was that like? And how how was that transition for you? Okay. Um, the last hospice that I was at. I won't, I, I won't mention any names. I was the administrator, and it became, you know, it was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back when, you know, the all the constant meetings and all it was about was what is your census, your census, your census. It had nothing to do with, you know, any kind of care you were giving, to, you know, no, no, no enough, not enough nurses to take care of all these people they wanted. Not, I mean, it was just, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to have to go sell burgers. I can't do this anymore, and I honestly can't. I can't see myself as anything but an end of life care nurse. That's just that is just who I am. So I said to sure. myself and, and I have to admit my son, who's probably listening, was a big catalyst in I've been wanting to do this for years to to start something where I could educate and, and, and help hospices. I've been wanting to do that for years. So I found said, Okay, I'm gonna do it. I you know, I'm fifty something years old, I'm I'm gonna do it. So I stepped out. I gave my thirty day notice and stepped out and what I did is I, I got a plan together and decided that we, we needed something that kind of 
kind of streamed a little revenue just to get started, you know, just to prove to a bank that we could do this. Because, you know, I'm not somebody who has a lot of money. I'm a hardworking nurse. My husband's a wonderful, you know, teacher and coach and high school teacher and coach. You should know that in Texas they don't make a lot of money. Um, So we're just regular people who worked hard and so um, got a little bit of capital together and decided that, you know, we're going to – what we decided to do was start a staffing, an intermittent staffing. And in my area – Central Texas, there was no hospice, end-of-life care, intermittent staffing. You know, if people needed staffing, they could just call a staffing agency, but they didn't get a hospice-trained nurse. So I ended up with 30 wonderful nurses that, that I trained, made sure they knew, you know, they, I, didn't, I wouldn't let them go out on their own unless I, you know, made sure that they could do it. And we, we had contracts all the way from Dallas down through Austin, which if, if you're not familiar with that, that's Quite a, wow. quite a range where we did intermittent staffing, and I there were times when I was on call for three hospices at one time. Luckily, I had some really good LVNs that helped me out, but um, we did a lot of wonderful. We did that for almost a year, but right. it wasn't it wasn't what I started the agency for. But it was wonderful to build, uh, help build the name, and get to know a lot of different hospices in, in, in you know outside of my sixty mile radius. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a wonderful start to my company, and then when Bill was available, when he he finished out his um, teaching contract, we were we were able to start our educational program, at, and that's our educational department, and that's where you know I've really oh I'm just I just I'm just so excited about the kinds of things that we we have done in the last you know six months. It's amazing. I mean, it, it, it may not have you know become the, biggest company in the world yet, but and, I, and we're not out to be the richest people in the world, but we are out to make a big, big, fat difference. So right. that's why I did. I'm driven by needing to, to. I need to make a difference. I just feel this urge to make a difference, and I couldn't do that working under other people's expectations. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the expectations of an owner of a hospice is is not a place where I can speak out, where I can say what I really want to say, where I can do the things for nurses that I really wanted to do. I couldn't do it. I tried. Well, and the interesting thing is, Gwen, is that um, you, I mean, you really took a um, a huge leap of faith. And um, w- when you're talking about like a registry or, or a, a, an agency wor- working with several nurses, I mean, as you know, I've, I've tried to uh, help businesses set these up um, to ultimately staff. Uh, you know, whether it be a nursing home or a hospital or even a hospice situation. And that is quite an undertaking um, for a business venture itself. And, you know, we were successful. We only turned away one case. And That's we went amazing. from, I'm telling you, it's it's hundreds of miles. We, I had nurses who would get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and yes. go and drive from Dallas to Waco, which is almost a two-hour drive, to, well, to it's, do a case for me. And I would get up and go. I mean, I was right there with them, and they knew it. And they were very... Uh, you know, they call me, and I was very communicative with them, and they they trusted me, and I and I ended up trusting. I would see what they were doing. They would, you know, communicate with me. So I was very lucky that, um, yeah, we we I, it amazed me. We we actually built two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We didn't make that kind of money, but we built two hundred fifty thousand right. dollars in business in a, in a year's time, which just floored me. I wish I'd have made that kind of money, but no, but it's the fact that we were able frankly. to produce that kind of that shows you that we were really we were really needed, and we we we. We really did a good service, and I didn't have 
but a handful of, oh, he won't give the, you know, the complaints from the DONs. And I got to know a lot of DONs who ended up, you know, we ended up being very good friends, and, and, and I still communicate with them. But the nurse won't give the, the rocks and all enough. And the, so I would talk to my nurse, and I would make them feel comfortable about giving it. You know, so very good communicate. I got to know some wonderful nurses. I, it was a right. great experience. Well, mm-hmm. and, like I said, and I'm proud of what we did. Well, for all the listeners out there, I mean, again, setting something up like this is is quite a task, quite a task. I mean, ultimately, to have the staff available so that when you do sort of open up the doors, so to speak, for business, um, I mean, you, you kind of have the staff to hit the ground running. And not only that, but then it's like, uh, you know, putting the cart before the horse or, you know, what comes next in the sense that do you get the contracts first and then the staffing or, <laughs> we, you know, it's yeah. that that's a that's a huge, huge. We, um, we wrestled with that several times ourselves where we needed the we needed the staff and then we would get the contracts. Yeah. Then we went the other way around and we just said to heck with it, get the contracts and, and we're going to make it happen. And we did. And I mean, I, I could not believe how people would get up and go anywhere and drive anywhere. And the gas was four dollars a gallon back then. Right, and people right. would get in their cars and go and see these patients for me. Well, and I do think a that's fabulous job. I think that's a good piece of information. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily know. It just depends on on the situation how it all works out. Because I know that there are nurse entrepreneurs out there that that are interested in starting something like this. But it's it is a matter of do you get the staff first? Do you get the contracts first? You know, what comes first? Um, you know, I mean, I think ultimately it's about building up, building some buzz, creating some relationships or establishing relationships uh, or nurturing them. Getting those. good reports with your nurses so they'll, do, yes. you, you know, get your hands dirty right along with them. Right. So I, I, ready, there were times when I was out there for 50, 50 hours I was awake. I mean, I gained 40 pounds because I had to eat just to stay awake. <laughs> I, I'm not used to being awake. I'm not a night nurse, but I would be out there with them. I would take on cases night after night and and not and not be asleep during the day. I mean, I would be working the other stuff during the day, so I would be up for for 50, 60 hours at a time, which, you know, an old person like me, but but I was driven. I was driven by making this happen. And they were they were appreciative that I wasn't just asking them to do it. I was out there doing it with them. You know, I think that you do, you have to build, and I would call them and I would check on them and I would see how things are going and they could call me and we'd text each other in the middle of the night to keep each other awake. I mean, different things, you know, that, so they, you know, I didn't have RNitis. You know, a lot of them were right. LVNs because continuous care, you know, you don't need a lot, of, but I had a few RN friends who would help me with the call because we had to have RNs for call and, and doing admissions. We did admissions, we did visits for people, we did aid visits, we did social work visits. I mean, we did the whole the whole gamut. We mm. didn't just do continuous care. We were a whole scope of it. My whole goal is to help hospices it just in right. any way. Now it's education. And, Gwen, how do you attract clients and how do you attract partners and nurses to your business? What, what, well, how, how do you get the people to come to you and how do you find all these wonderful people? Well, lucky for the one place where I have a difficult uh, difficulty is getting people to come out to workshops. That's not easy. That, I'm still, I'm still. And if anybody, please, if you have any ideas on how to help people want to come out to workshops, let me know because that's that's the most fun for me is to do those workshops. But mm-hmm. uh, I have to say that since we've discovered social media, and again, I'm not an expert at it, but I think that we have done so well. We have wonderful, wonderful um, followers on. Uh, I'm so proud I have 1,264 followers on, on Twitter, which I'm so excited. 
Um, I have oh, wonderful people well, who retweet me and tweet me, and, and we ended up having conversations, and I, that's how I met Andrew. And that's how he connected me with Capra Dalton, who does pedagogy. I mean, and that's LinkedIn. I have, I'm almost a 1,000 people LinkedIn, and, and that's wow. how I, um, I get so many people who call me. I think they think I'm a recruiter. I get a lot of people who call me uh, wanting me to help them, you know, recruit. And I, I, if I know anybody, believe me, I'll, I'll send it to them. And, I've, you know, we've met people. I uh, have a wonderful uh, grief coach in California, Claire who we are working on pamphlets with it, who who saw me on LinkedIn and asked me to link in with them and we began if people if people connect to me and they want to talk to me or they want to email me, I'm on it. I and I we we okay. we've created so many wonderful relationships through that. Right. Great and, and I believe your great and I believe your Twitter handle is at Hospice Heroes. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Great. Okay. Right. And I think Kevin has a question for you from a caller. Is that well? True? We actually have a caller, and uh, let's see. All right, so our caller is online now, and this caller might be familiar to you. Uh, <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, do you hear me? Glenn, <laughs> yes, I, uh, I am I talking on you? Can you hear me? Yes, Vern. <laughs> this is Vern. Vern Lasca, you remember me? Yes, Vern, I do. Uh, How are you I feeling, Vern? I you know, well you know I'm dying here so I I think I'm feeling. <laughs> Everyone, this is Vern Lester. He is our our patient for our yes. uh, workshop and our online course. Um, yeah, I, uh, out there yeah. in the, the the box there. So yes, actually Vern. So you're the one who I saw in the videos. I I have to um I'm sorry about your um. The, the dying piece there, but you're doing a wonderful job on YouTube and, of course, the uh, Pro Hospice uh, Solutions website there with all the videos. So I, I appreciate what website. you're doing. That is Bill, and he, he does manage our website. And uh, and, and he, cre- he does all the directing of the videos and all the writing of our workshops, all our blogging. So anything that we've written, it comes through Bill, and he, you know, I think he's done a fabulous job. Well, you know, I, I gotta say to Gwen, Gwen, she's she's quite fantastic, and uh, you know, she helped me with my uh, she helped me with my backup there, and uh, I gotta say, Gwen, that that it's working quite right. Everything's flowing real nice. <laughs> so all that all that uh, medication worked out, huh? Oh boy, yes. you don't even know about it, there. yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. And, and and like I said, you know, we brought it up earlier in the show, and I, I think you guys have really done a wonderful job. It's I don't think that you're necessarily poking fun per se at, at families no. and the patients, um, but I, I got it, and 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 I don't think I, I it's just as a nurse. Um, I mean, certainly I I work with patients in the home, and, and Keith does as well. So I, I think we mm-hmm. definitely have um, something to say there as far as you know we we can share. And it's a very intimate place that we are allowed into someone's home, especially at a time when it's the most very emotional, um, emotionally driven um, that that we are basically touching people's lives. And, and they allow us to be in their homes at, at such a, a time when they are just down and out. They feel just down and out and just not supported and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, if I could break character there for a moment, I, I, I this is Bill. Hi, hi oh, everyone. I'm really not burned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm also D, but I, I totally agree. And you know, and Gwen is such an amazing force that um, what she's bringing to to the whole idea of, of palliative care, it, uh, especially her, her mission about education, is 
is something not that's not necessarily new, but is being revitalized because it was it was something that that was once in place for hospice and and hospice care, and 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 things seem to have kind of gotten slipped into some kind of mainstream where profit is more important than care, and and I think one of the one of the messages that we want to bring back and through our videos, through our online education, through our live education is that the, it comes down to the, the patient and the, and the caregiver and the, the nurse that's out there in the field. And, and we want to bring those three elements together to see how uh, the end of life could really be, you know, death with dignity is, is the ultimate goal. Right. Right. Mm. Mm. Well said. Well, he has a wonderful way of putting things. He does. He does. Um, and, and we certainly appreciate uh, his character and, of course, certainly you. appreciate uh, you out of character as well, Bill. And Vern. <laughs> Thank you so and, much. And I do want people to understand, I do want people to understand that it is not, it, our humor is not meant, like you say, it's not meant to be offensive. It's meant to um, sometimes exaggerate and get people's attention on the things that are that are not maybe not so good, and then show them again in, a, in a, a way that it might be effective. But I think humor catches people's attention, and it kind of, you know, gets them uh, relaxed about about the tough the tough topics. Right. So it, it isn't meant to be offensive by any means. No. Sure, sure. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. And, um, Gwen, I had a question for you. Um what would you say in terms of being a nurse entrepreneur because that's what you are uh what mm-hmm. are some skills you, what are some skills you think are really very important for for nurse entrepreneurs out there who are starting out and we're getting a little background noise here oh. i'm not sure not sure what it is so oh actually um, that was sorry about that i burned a bill i had to mute you i think there was something there in the background i apologize but oh, okay. um, it's it's gone now so. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so yeah. what are some skills for nurse entrepreneurs, Gwen? What have you learned in in this course of your your incredible career that you've been describing to us? Well, what I've discovered is number one, I, I'm I'm clinical first and foremost. I mean, that is where my strength is. So, what I've had to do is surround myself with people. Oh, there's three of us. We actually, and I don't know if Stephanie is listening. I, I, I think she might be. But she is our administrative assistant, and uh, I mean our administrative director, and she she's actually family. Too. We're kind of a family-owned business, but she's my aunt, but she's like my age. But she had the skill of the books because, you know, no matter what you think, you got to have the books. Mm-hmm. And you gotta have the books, and they have to be done right, and they and it's so tedious, and there's numbers involved, and and all these things that I was so unfamiliar with. But and it's funny because my banker knew I'm unfamiliar with that too, and and he was very proud of me when I surrounded myself with someone who could run the books because I don't even run a checkbook correctly. I, mm-hmm. I can't. I've never been able to do a checkbook. So you have to make sure that if you don't know how to do it, that somebody is, you know, keeping up with all those taxes and, and, and the QuickBooks and all the things that, that all those legal things that are involved in, in owning a business. Um, you have to, I think, too, and it's kind of been hard for me because I'm not a patient person, but it takes it takes time to actually, you know, build your business. It doesn't happen overnight like I wanted it to. It does take 
patience and time and perseverance and connecting and and building relationships just like it does with your um with your when you're with your patients i mean it takes time to build relationships and and so i've had to learn to um to be patient in that too uh it's happening now we're 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 moving forward so there's a lot of things the non-clinical things that i had to that I'm having to learn. I had to learn how to understand some of the QuickBooks, and I have to learn how to understand some of the taxes, and and so I have a good coach to teach me that stuff too. So um, if that's not your strength, make sure you surround yourself with people who know how to do it. So you need a powerful team. You need a team so that you can delegate out those tasks that take you away from the other things that you need to pay attention to. Exactly. My strength and I think that's why we are very lucky. My strength is is the is the um, the clinical portion, the the the, the under, understanding of of you know how to how to talk about the clinical parts. Bill's strength is the writing. I couldn't do this without without him. I really couldn't do this. So so whatever it is you're wanting to be an entrepreneur about, the parts that you are not strong in, you have to surround yourself with people do, who do. I wanted education, but I don't know how to write it. I have all these ideas. I have all these great ideas, and I can throw them on a table, but I didn't know how to put them in a form that would pass a TNA, you know, 60-page application to get a CEs done, but Bill did. And then right. I didn't know how to keep the books, but Stephanie does. So we are perfect in our in our strengths. That's why the three of us make a, a perfect, you know, it just goes together. So you have to know what, what it is you want to do and the parts that you can't do. Make sure you... You know, surround yourself with people who do, so that it all comes together. Mm. Yeah. You can concentrate mm. on the fun parts that you like. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, right. No, exactly, exactly. And actually, Gwen, so um, it's about time for us to take a break. But if you'd like, I would love for you to join us um, when we come back after the break. We're, we'll take about a two okay. or three minute break here, um, so okay. people can kind of take I... care of business. Um, but okay, certainly, I, I want to build on. I want to, yeah, I want to build on something. Certainly, you can stay on the line. We'll just mute that and we'll okay. just play a little music, um, okay. and then we'll just bring you back in if if you'd like to. I love it. I'm I was here for the duration. All Great, right, man. that that sounds good. Okay. All right, well, to all our listeners out there, we'll be taking a two to three minute break here, and uh, we'll see you back here on the other side. Okay. All Thank right. you. All right. I saw a sign I'm deep in 
dumb and my eyes filled up with tears. I asked how long he'd been that way, and he said seven years. I fell in love with a pretty girl, but she didn't seem to care. I gave her an electric fan, and she gave me the air. Well, she's doing the best she can, doing the best she can. She couldn't do more, and she couldn't do less, but she's doing just the best she can. Someone said they always thought that indoor sports was great. And my gal said she liked them too if they didn't stay too late. I know a man, his name is Long, his wife is Long and Lean. They didn't get along for years, but now they got 15. Well, they're doing the best they can, doing the best they can. They couldn't do more and they couldn't do less, cause they're doing just the best they can. All right, everybody. Let's see. Let's get everybody back, everybody back here in the studio. Everybody here? I'm here. I'm here. All right, great. We're well, back. I, just, I had to play that little tune. Um, it just made me <laughs> think country. of Anna. Yes. Well, um, Anna had uh, she had picked out a lot of these uh, little tunes that we have here in the studio. So I just I had to play that sort of as a tribute to Anna when we we do miss you tonight, Anna. And, uh, and can I say I miss I'm sorry I missed out on Anna. She's been she was very uh she's been very inspirational for me. She's done some you know, she's blogged out some stuff for us and so I am so thankful to her and oh, yeah. to you guys for letting us letting me come on here on your wonderful mm-hmm. radio show. Oh no, thank you so much. Um and, and we are glad to have you and uh I like I said I think Anna will be back here next week and uh raring to go. But certainly um as we do miss her, I think Keith and I are just going to hold it together and uh, continue well, on. Well, you've done a great job. Yeah, well, thank we're you so much. We're doing our best. So have, so, so have you, and um, we're just going to continue here um, with uh, Gwen Dalton here, Pro Hospice Solutions. Now, Gwen, you were mm-hmm. talking about, um, uh, you know, I, I think as, as nurses, as entrepreneurs, as, as new business owners, when we start out, typically, you know, we we are solopreneurs, as I like to say it. You know, we're we're sort of on our own. Um, now, some of us do create partnerships from the beginning, um, but ultimately, you know, we have to wear many hats. And I think that that's important that you recognize. I kind of wanted to build on that statement. You had recognized um, the areas that you just were not; they were just not your strengths. And ultimately, you know where your strengths lie. And and I think that's a good sign of a um, a good business owner, a good entrepreneur, to understand that ultimately, um, as we do try to do it all, we can't, we don't. Sometimes we have to, but but if we don't have to, it's great that um, we're able to delegate those functions out because, you know, we have to use utilize ourselves, our time, where it's it's better spent. So, yeah, it's um, almost like a football team. If you, you know, I would if you're if you're if you're big and burly, you know, you're not you're going to be a good lineman. You're not going to be a good runner of the ball. I mean, you just have to know where you 
fit on your team where your strengths are and you know without being able to add the the the, the other two people that work with me I know for a fact that I could not do this alone because I don't have those skills. I just don't. But they do, and they're perfect at those skills. And so it does. It you you have to make sure that you first of all you know what you want your company to do. You know you know what direction you're going in. And then if you don't have the the skills to do all of it, find surround yourself with people who do. And there's a lot of people out there that that are so helpful, even to uh, you know people online and people, you know, we talk to, we get different ideas from people. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that want to see people succeed. Isn't collaboration oh. a beautiful thing? Oh, my God. It is so energizing. <laughs> I, 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 I love social media, by the way, because I have met so many fabulous people that I cannot get in my – I got a 350Z, but it won't, it doesn't get around that fast where mm-hmm. I could meet as many people and as far away as I have met who who are so interested in helping us be successful and we are so interested in helping them be successful we've been able to connect them it is it collaborating is just energizing mm-hmm. and, I, and think I think it's pushing us forward that's right and, and I think as entrepreneurs because all three of us here on this show tonight are nurse entrepreneurs solopreneurs in a way though you you mm-hmm. have you have some people involved in your company there that I think collaboration is really the key these days to moving forward. It's the key to success. And Kevin and Anna and I all met basically on Twitter, I believe. Um, And then we started connecting and started talking on the phone and all it took was one Skype conversation that lasted about three hours and we had launched the radio show and some other projects that we have coming down the, down the road. So, Really, it's that, that collaborative. True, and it's that collaborative spirit and that willing to work with other willingness to work with others, and not just go it by yourself and feel some feel that need to kind of hoard the little that you have for yourself, but instead feeling like we can build synchronistically on one another, and that's where all the success is coming from. And you're really showing us an example of that as well, Glenn. Right. We, we we support one another. We need to support one another because we're we're we, if, if if we can show ourselves working together, we become stronger. Like uh, wonderful Shahina in in Georgia. I mean, we have the same ideas on how we want to um, help the consumers. And then and then uh, the UK, David Levy. He we we Skype and we're putting together this forums on on his site, Immortum, which which helps build his site and helps build. You know my recognition. So we're, we're, there's all kinds of things that we, that, that I've, people that I've met that we're actually helping each other move forward. So mm-hmm. so yeah, right. collaborate. There's nothing like I, I'm not. I, I guess I'm, I'm humble. I'm not. I don't have itis. I any whatever direction that can help us grow and and be be the influence and help uh, create some of these changes and help nurses and and interdental care teams feel good. I, I will take anybody's help and advice. Right. Uh-huh. I'm willing to listen, and, and anybody who emails me and wants to talk or wants to have a conversation or wants to Skype, I, I answer all my emails, even if it's midnight. I mean, I, I anybody who follows me, I put out a I, thank you so much for following us. I mean, everybody, anybody who is taking the time to connect with me, I'm going to connect back. Right. Uh-huh. That's it's just because I'm grateful. I really am grateful. I'm so thankful. Well, and I think that's a great piece. I, I just wanted to build on that too, uh, to you know, for Gwen and Keith and, and all the listeners out there, is that um, 
you know, it kind of ties into that networking piece. And, and essentially, if you go at it in the sense that sort of that what's in it for me, you're not really going to gain much. I mean, you're really not going to gain uh, anything of significance, I think, when it, when it comes to, to business. Ultimately, you have to truly, when you're networking with someone, you have to connect with them um, as, as a potential, um, not, not as, a, uh, as competition per se, but but uh, a future strategic partnership down the road, and um, truly hear what they have to say. Um, be a sounding board. Give them feedback. Help them along the way if you can, because ultimately that's, you don't know where that relationship is going to end up. It that's how businesses grow. Exactly. Um, you don't. You listen and you see if there's anything you can do to help. You got to know what they need, and then maybe uh-huh. you really can be a help. You don't. Uh, it's it's. Absolutely, fabulous. And I never even think of people who give, uh, who are doing CEs and all that. They're not competition for me because there are times when we could stand on that stage together. Yes. They're they're not competition for me. Our, we all we all have something different to share. We can we can talk about it together. We can we can show up at seminars together and and present our pieces. I mean, there's all kinds of wonderful things that we can do together. I. I've always been that way. I never thought hospices should be in competition with each other, and it and it. You know, it kind of bothers me when they're, you know, this one is so secret. This one can't show up, but this one is there. You know, and they don't want to be seen together. I, I, I guess I was always the, the, you know, the, the, the black duck or whatever that is. That, that you know, I, I like to, I like to be seen with everybody. I, I liked us to all be together and for the public to see us together because I thought it showed that all hospice programs are good, so that anybody that a patient chooses will be getting a good. Good service. They can feel confident in everybody. I, right. I didn't think it. I didn't think of it as confident. There's a lot of dying people. There's enough for all of us to have someone to take care of. So I've never been one who, you know, I, I don't have to have all the limelight. Although I'm getting, I'm getting better at, at, at you know, grabbing a little attention. I, I look at this. I'm on the radio. I never thought I could do that, but look at here. I'm doing it. Right. So, Good for you. That's great. Yeah. I'm we're, we're now I'm excited about. It. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now, Gwen, along this road, I'm sure there's been a few bumps and a little, you know, a few little places where you felt like, oh, I could have done that better. Or, oh, I wish I'd made a different decision there. What have been some of your quote unquote failures or speed bumps or places where you felt like if you were going to go back, you might have done it just a little bit differently? Um, the one thing I probably would have done you know, I regret it now, but something I can do is I probably would have taken a, a PRN job a lot sooner. I, I just took a PRN job so that I could take some of the financial strain off my company because we are small and we are still very much in the growing stages as far as the education goes. We're not streaming in all that money anymore from, from uh, uh, the, the other portion that we were doing, the staffing. So this is all new. And so I probably would have taken a, a, a PRN job a little sooner. Um uh, we we came out, we started our education. We we thought at first that we wanted to come out with a bang, so we wanted to have our very first project be a really big one. Well, it's a lot harder to get people to come to a seven-hour workshop than it might have been to just have a bunch of little one-hour, you know, CEs that all the marketers out there want to, they want, because I have a lot of them ask me, do you got a one-hour, do you got a one-hour, because they can use that for their referrals. So I might we might have... We might have went with us with smaller ones, but but we were you know we we had such feelings to do this. We wanted to do it big, you know. We wanted people to be impressed and and want to be there, and, and we thought a big one would be good. So I might have 
started a little smaller, and then we might have been able to, you know, stream more money faster. I don't know if that would have worked, but it's been very difficult to get people to come out to to um, seven-hour workshops, which I have to say I think ours is really cutting edge and fabulous, and no one would regret ever being there, I want to tell you, and it's at a very low price. Um <laughs> Because we're not, again, out to be the richest people in the world. We just want to make a difference. Um, so we might have done that. Um, honestly, I, I, those are just a few little things that I can think of because I, I've been proud of everything else we've done. We, we've done. I mean, I'm proud of what we did. I just, we were learning. We had to learn what works and what doesn't work. Sure you did. Sure. sure. All you know, this is, our, this right. is my first adventure, and I had, you know, it was my first adventure at doing something by myself, so... And, and by myself meaning just stepping out as a nurse uh, with, with no net underneath. <laughs> a little, sometimes it's scary because you wonder where, you know, where's your next meal going to come from. But but the, I guess the universe is listening because we've always found a way. We've just always found a way and we just keep, we just keep connecting and keep the collaborating gets bigger and bigger and there's more and more projects and, and things are just rolling and it's so energizing. There's no way that it can't work. So you you also have to be very, you have to keep your, positive frame of mind you have to keep that focus because it can be very easy to say oh hell you know i'm not making any money you know i don't know how i'm going to do this anymore and just kind of give up it, it could be very right. easy to do that right but, right but i didn't get into this to do that i got into this to make it to make it successful to 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 get the feedback that i want i want the feedback is i i feel so good about what i learned and i'm so good i'm so happy out in the field that's what i want to hear i want to hear nurses right. and people telling me that well, and you know, ultimately, Gwen, you know, one of the things that I say, and you know, a good friend of mine, you know, we talk about it, and he'd mention it to me. I mean, essentially, you just have to keep your head on the swivel. You know, you don't know where these opportunities are going to come from. Certainly, the collaboration uh, is key to that success. And um, you know, being that that you're keeping your head on the swivel here, and you, and you sort of have your eyes open and, and uh, your ears open, how do you? How do you generate new ideas? I mean, what gets you to to that point where um I mean, what what sort of motivates you to to get those ideas going? I mean, how does that happen for you? Well, things just things just pop into my I have to tell you, I get ideas all the time. And what I do, I have to tell you my best person in the world for me to to tell my ideas to is Bill, and he somehow takes them and and just feeds off of that. And then we could have hours of conversation over these ideas we have. And then before you know it, it's something. Or somebody who emails me or, um, you know, links in and says, you know, hey, I want to talk to you about this and this. And then all of a sudden, we're sitting there for two hours talking about their ideas. And then all of a sudden, now i got 50 million more ideas i got to tell Bill. And, you know, we got this project. we got to get this going. And we got it. I mean, I just – sometimes I, I have so many. I, <laughs> somebody got to slow me down because – you know, poor Bill, he's the only writer we have, and most of our stuff is revolved around literature and writing, you know, mm. educational pieces. So, um, But it's fun. It energizes me when I'm talking to other people, and they come up with things, and then it just makes me come up with another idea. And so I feed off of other people, too. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm like a piranha. Right. I, I, right. And I soak it all in, and I and I, I love hearing that other people have ideas. It just – and. And when they come up with the same thing I've been thinking of, it just validates, you know, what we're doing. It, and that, again, there comes more energy because it validates. We are doing something that makes a difference. We are on the right path. And so you just have to keep finding when you're feeling down. And, and believe me, I do have days when I um, I really have to practice that. You know, like, okay, it, 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 you know, 
it, it, it's gonna it, people are going to respond and then and then what do you know I get a phone call from somebody or I get an email from a new person I even got an email um, from a monk in Japan who has a uh, it's just kind of a little side story he has a a hospice house like way back in the woods of Japan I don't think he's Japanese because he sent me videos and stuff I've seen videos who he has the most wonderful philosophy he he when you hold people, babies that come into the world, you hold them. Well, he's, he's this big, burly guy, and he stands, sits behind them, and he holds people as they're dying to comfort them. I mean, he's, he's a really amazing guy, but all of a sudden, he wants to Skype with me. I mean, a, a monk in Japan, I mean, how how honorable is that, that somehow or another, a monk in Japan found me and, 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 and wants to collaborate with me. So all this... We have 36 um, states that have, have looked at our sites. We have, we have 12 uh, countries that have looked at our site, and, you know, and, and, and I've had people from these different Some of these countries actually email me and call me, and I actually speak with them. So um, I, I, it's, it's very – how can you not? How can you not create ideas? And, and uh, I've just always had ideas, never been able to figure out how to get them done. That's why I have you know, people like Bill and Stephanie to help me. <laughs> Right. right. It's, it, Put exactly. them into action. Put them into right. action. And that's how Kevin and Anna and I all work together. You know, we've brought together our different skills, and we each have a different skill set. We each have things that we're interested in, the things that really we're passionate about. And we have areas where we where we collaborate. We have areas where some of us have different expertise. And that collaboration is what our, some of our new ideas that's where they're generated from mm-hmm. so that's that's Talking. a really, really wonderful thing so it, is. Um, it works yeah and how has how has being an entrepreneur affected your your family life your social life your your the world outside of the pro hospice solutions <laughs> office well honestly I, there's there's not a whole lot of world outside of it right now but i by the way i enjoy that world. but i do have let me give kudos to my husband. I have I've been married almost 23 years. The most wonderful, wonderful man, and and he has a career. Any of you who are married to coaches, I don't in Texas especially football is, is you know their life, and baseball is now a season. So my husband's career has ta- is has been a very busy career, and there's been a lot of times when you know you have your coach's widow, you have to just kind of do things on your own. So I've always been very supportive of his career. Now my husband has been so supportive of what it's taken for me to do this because it does. I've spent a lot of, you know, a lot of my time. I've been in Dallas where I, I live in the central Texas. I live in near Waco and Dallas is a couple of hours and I've had to stay up there many a times for a week at a time. And, and when I'm at home, a lot of times I'm at that computer with, I mean, you have to work your social media. So I'm constantly, you know, answering and doing and, and creating, you know, new collaborations. And so he has been very supportive. My kids are grown I'm old enough to have a 33-year-old son and a 29-year-old son and a two-year-old grandson. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've all been – I know. I'm so proud of my grandson. Congratulations. I know. But they have all been very, very supportive of the fact that, you know, now I can't, you know, even financially do a lot of the things that I used to do for them. And, and uh, you know, Lonnie and I, we, we – um, Luckily, we have a swimming pool, so a swimming pool and cable TV. And so we kind of – you know, we're kind of home a lot. But – but I, I think it's worth doing that. It really is because one day it'll, it'll all pay off in many ways. Not not necessarily being the richest person, but in many ways we will have a comfortable life, and we will have, and I will have the satisfaction of feeling like I did something that meant something. Right. So right, it's right. worth it. 
That's I'm wonderful. very lucky. I have a very supportive. My mother's supportive. Um, you know, she's been very supportive of giving up the time that we normally spend together. There's a lot of times when I can't do what she would like for me to be able to do with her, go to lunch or whatever. But so I have a lot of support. I'm I'm very blessed in that. And I think mm. you need that. If you have somebody trying to fight against all the time that it takes, and it does take it, it takes a lot of time in your sleep. I'm there are times when I can't sleep, so I'm I'm twittering and and uh, you know answering emails and, and at twelve o'clock at night just because it is part of you know my drive to to make this work. Right. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and you know, Gwen, I I think that um, you you've certainly touched on. When it, when you're talking about how to, how it affects your life, I mean, we certainly have shared on the show what sacrifices we make as entrepreneurs, but also what our family members make as well in that support. Because even if you're not necessarily physically away from um, your family, per se, when you're doing this type of work, whatever type of work you're doing as an entrepreneur, um, emotionally you can be pulled away. And you're talking about the social media, always just talking about um, – What's next? What's, uh, you know, the website, Twitter, and Facebook, and building, and community, and collaboration. Um, And so, you know, ultimately, that being said, uh, all of that stuff, are there any any exciting projects or anything new that you're working on uh, outside of this? Yes, let me say that. We have, uh, May 9th, we have our first webinar uh, coming out with Healthcare First. Um, And so the hospices will be getting, you know, any, they have a huge uh, base and they'll be sending it, we'll be sending out all kinds of, uh, um, you know, marketing material to to let them know about that. That forum, I can't wait for my Immortum forum. The site is under under construction now, so if you go to Immortum, you probably won't get to see a whole lot. But in the next couple weeks, that site um, will be up and running and my forum will be on there, and I'm so excited about that. Um, We have two more... Uh, online courses that will be up, I would say, in the next couple months on pedagogy. Uh, we still have that that seven-hour workshop that we're trying to get people to come to. So please, anybody out there who would who would benefit, social workers, uh, nurses, skilled facility administrators, and hospice administrators, it's approved for all of you. Um, I promise you won't regret it. It would be an experience you can the style is so different that I, I just know it'll catch your attention, and when you're out there and back in your settings, you will you'll be able to apply the information. So um, we have all those wonderful things. Oh, and we have a pamphlet mm. that we are doing that we're uh, we're collaborating with a grief coach um, to, uh, and also our consumer education. Our consumer education will will be up and running in the next couple of months, so we'll be um, you know trying to link in with um, businesses and things to 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 try to help them. Uh, understand why that would be a win-win for their employees to get this kind of information, this end-of-life care information, so that if if that becomes part of their life, they know what to do. So we have a lot of things we're working on. Mm, wow. No, it, it that is wow. That's a that's a <laughs> mouthful and earful. I know. I tried to get it all in. No, well, that's the thing. This is your platform to do so. Um, you can certainly please feel free to shout out where everybody can find you. Um, out there in the uh, interwebs, the the internets, um, and you know on Twitter and Facebook and, and YouTube, uh, you know feel free to shout out. I mean I know we've got you at prohospicesolutions.com, uh, com, and then of course Twitter. Yeah, and, at, and, at and a lot of our uh, the link into our course is on is on the front page of our website. 
Okay, um, good that to know. Forum, that I will put the link to the forum uh, as soon as you know I get it. That link will be up there to to the uh, the forum, and then um, we are at we're at Hospice Heroes on Twitter. And I, 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 as a matter of fact, people, I need more followers because I ended up getting too many people I followed, and, and it blocks me from being able to follow anybody. So I need yeah, more followers happens. so that I can. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was like, oh my god, what happened? So I tweeted it out, and people helped me know what to do. So, but so I need more followers so I can keep following people. And um, and I, I do. I've, I've met at Hospice yeah. Heroes. Uh huh. And LinkedIn, you know, I'm. You can find me on LinkedIn. I love anybody who asks me to link in with them. I accept and and uh, send them a message of thanks and t- kind of give them a little information about what we're doing. And how um, do we find you on Gwen? Uh, I'm Gwen Dalton. Okay. Yeah, it's under my name. You just link it, and then it shows you know my profile and everything. Great. And we have and a how- LinkedIn. We have a LinkedIn button on our uh, website. Oh yes, you do. There it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have all those little yeah. Thanks to Bill, he he learned and and you know we I'm constantly I'm in groups so um, you can see us and I any conversations I try to get on I have to put my two cents in so um, you know you can look for things that we put up conversations and everything so please join in any of those conversations if you're on any of my LinkedIn groups. Uh, I love getting involved in those things. I, I think that's great collaboration right there. That is just great collaboration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like you're at um, Facebook at Pro Hospice Solutions as well. Mm-hmm. I just found you there on Facebook. Okay. And we do have a blog. We have the World Press blog, and Bill does all of our blogging. And, and you can actually, if you see our blogs, you'll see um, portions of our, our workshops, our actual live workshops. He's posted, you know, several several little sneak peeks of that so you can kind of see how the how it flows and kind of what what you be uh you getting it's kind of written like a play it's almost like going to a play so you, i think it was it's very enjoyable for me i've had good feedback on the people who did come so um and, so great. Going on. and i'm actually liking your page now here on facebook i think i'm following you on well, twitter and if not i'm gonna hook we're gonna get all connected Right, oh, we certainly will. We're, we're building community right here. That's right. <laughs> and anything I can do to help people, please, everybody out there, if, if anything I can do to help you or um, you think there's anything we can do together, please do. You can always find me at um, ProHospitalSolutions.com or you can email me at gdalton at ProHospitalSolutions.com. Great. Well, Gwen. I answer every one of my emails. I answer great. every one of them. Gwen, thank you so much for being on the show. You've been a wonderful guest, and your passion has really come through, and your desire to make hospice and end of life something that everyone can really embrace and really get the most out of. And and we really appreciate the work you're doing out there in the world. Thank you. Thank Agreed. you so much, everybody. Well, and all you the guys listeners. Were wonderful. No, thank you so much. And actually, to all of our listeners, I think Gwen was actually telling us before the uh, show started. They, I think you guys were under tornado watch or warning there. Yes, we got warnings so, going on. here. Well, I'm so glad that you didn't get blown away tonight, but you actually <laughs> blew us away on the show. So good job. <laughs> thank you. And certainly, yeah, everybody out it. there. Yes, you can definitely listen to the archive show here with Gwen on um, promednetwork.com. We actually have a podcast over there. And, of course, I'm sure there are a lot of iTunes and Apple fans out there, so you can check us out on iTunes um, under RNFM Radio, all one word. And then, of course, blogtalkradio.com forward slash RNFM Radio. That's right. Well, Gwen, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank um, you. Definitely, Anna Fields will love 
yeah, Anna feels the love, and and certainly we miss her too. But but um, yes. this was this was a great show with you tonight. So, um, all right, everybody. Well, um, Keith and I will stay here on the line, and Gwen, uh, you have a good evening. And um, thank you too. And uh, yeah, we'll see you out there um, on okay. the uh, on the interwebs. You better believe it. I'll be there. Thanks a lot, Thanks, everybody. Gwen. All right. Thank okay. you. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Good night. All right. Wow. Well, that was great. Yeah. No, that was that was good. So, wow. Hour and a half already. That just moved right along. Um, That's right. So it's it's always amazing. I think how um, you know it doesn't seem like it. And I know Gwen is is very passionate um, uh, about hospice, obviously. And you know I am too. Uh, certainly, I think it's definitely a very um, overlooked support that we have in our healthcare system and, and it does need more attention. But uh it is amazing how these shows when we talked about death and dying uh in one of our earlier shows and then of course, you know, the Pro Hospice Solutions with Gwen Dalton here. Um mm-hmm. it's you know, I, I can definitely I, I get I get passionate as well. I mean I get sort of reinvigorated about I'm a patient advocate myself and, and I advocate for, for patients and families and this is certainly an area that um Definitely, I think needs my support, and I will certainly uh, fight the good fight with with Gwen, or not necessarily the fight, but just provide those supports as well and that education. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. And you know, I've been a hospice nurse in inpatient hospice and outpatient hospice, and death and dying has been you know an important part of my nursing career over the last sixteen years. And you know, Gwen shared about the death of her father last month, and Mary and I lost our you know her. Her dad died a year ago almost, and my mom died last year. And about five years ago, Mary, my wife, and I did the hospice work for my stepfather. We stepped in and moved in with my parents for a few weeks. And when the hospice nurses learned that I was a hospice nurse, they were gone. And uh, they they handed me the comfort kit and all the meds and the morphine, and they said, just give us a call if you need us. You know, so... Um, but I know that also happens to families who are taking care of their loved ones who aren't hospice nurses, you know. There are some hospices out there that don't provide the support that consumers and really need when they're at their most vulnerable time of life. So having people like Gwen out there who are really educating not only the professionals but the consumers, I think, is a very, very important service that we really can't overlook. Right, right. Well, I mean, that was that was amazing that you kind of had that um, sort of that baton handed to you, or more more along the lines of forced, um, kind of having to take that role. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I've actually ha- had to do that. Um, I wouldn't say had to do that, but I guess I sort of took it upon myself uh, because the family, uh, I, I was a friend's f- family friend, really. Um, they just didn't have the support, and certainly they didn't even have hospice in place, mm-hmm. and. I just kind of stepped stepped it up. Uh, I stepped up to the plate, and, and ultimately, the this particular individual, this patient, was I, I thought was just suffering, um, and was at home, and uh, just didn't have uh, the meds that they needed. The care was just basically just provided by the family, and they didn't know what they were doing. And I find that that's just a very unfortunate um, situation. And, and here's the reason: I I, I do consider myself a, a good clinician. Mm-hmm. And of course, sir, sure, we we always we do have. Well, I shouldn't say always, but we do have our times where we second guess ourselves. 
we need that backup. We need to have those questions answered. And I mean, certainly we do um, ask that of our colleagues, um, of our docs, just to sort of have that backup and make sure we know what we're doing. But I'll tell you what, I never second-guess myself more than I did in that situation. When it becomes personal, mm-hmm. um, you really can beat yourself up about whether you're doing the right thing in the sense of, am I doing this right? Even though you're a good clinician, you could be doing this for years. Mm-hmm. But, but when you have that personal experience, uh, you know, I, I still to this day, I mean, that was years ago. I still think about it. You know, did I do everything right? Right. Right. Oh. Yeah, I've I've gone through that with my stepfather's death. You know, my Mary and I were basically the midwives there, and we were walking my mom and my stepdad and my brother and sister through the whole process. And, and of course, I'm the nurse in the family, and I was kind of holding the baton of the, the hospice nurse because they weren't really around, and I was actually okay with that. And I was basically calling the shots and kind of saying, okay, this is how much morphine we're giving him, and this is what we're mm-hmm. going to see, and this is what's going to happen. And I second-guessed myself, and I thought about, well, I could have done that differently. I could have done this differently, and, um, you know, how much morphine I gave him. And, I, you know, I, I did call the hospice nurse for some support here and there, and I even called a couple nurse friends and I just who I just needed support from. So right. these are, you know, these are just times when we need support. Sometimes we're on our own. And I feel like I did my best in that situation, and when it is personal, it is different. But I think as nurses, we also learn, whether it's death and dying or not, that people do look to us. People come to us and they want advice and they want they want our expertise. So uh, it's just part of, it's part and parcel of being a nurse, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, Katie came home the other the other evening and, uh, it, you know, it always kind of comes down to the kids, especially with the kids. And, of course, I know this is not a hospice situation, but um, I think she and uh, one of the other mothers were talking about uh, my oldest, uh, Flynn. He, he had had a fever and, um, you know, just wasn't feeling so hot. And I think she and this other mother, they were kind of talking um and it seems like a lot of families do bounce a lot to the pediatrician or ask the pediatrician. And ultimately, my wife just kind of looks to me, and I think she had just made some comments. She's like, well, at least there's a nurse in the family. She's like, I just always ask him. Um, and it right. is funny that you're that person that uh, you have your family members bringing the rashes, the symptoms, um, mm-hmm. you know, to to kind of figure out. But but certainly that, this particular play, it's it's not a matter of, like, making this a dark piece here. I mean, death and dying shouldn't be... Uh, there shouldn't be a black cloud over it, but ultimately, uh, I mean, it's definitely one of those huge doors that we have to go through. It's not a matter of just a rash or a fever uh, or some of the symptoms that, that are brought to us, but, um, you know, I mean, this is this is a rite of passage. I mean, this is something big that not only the patient is going through, but the family as well, and it's 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 lasting. It's it's very lasting, and, and like I said, that that personal experience for me really did leave a mark. Um and every time I want to jump in on a situation like that, I, I do have to kind of pull myself back just for a moment uh, to to make sure that I know that I'm, I'm really getting into something that I'm willing to sort of carry through. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Even even us nurses, as skilled as you are, or even if you're you know a doc, nurse, any healthcare provider out there, skilled as you are, it doesn't matter when it when it's uh, when it becomes personal because 
that's a real game changer there. Um, right. So. It, it certainly is. It certainly yeah. is. You know, and and we also, as nurses, we need to watch out for our own energy and our own, you know, our own self care. We have to be real careful about how far we go and and how much we're willing to help others because it does seem that, you know, we we talked about before on the show. 12 out of the last 13 years, nurses have been um, shown to be the most trusted professionals in the United States based on Gallup polls. And that does come to bear in, in our lives as well because people, you tell someone you're a nurse and there's there's a certain something that happens when people hear you're a nurse and all of a sudden you're like the, the support system for them or you're, you're the person they're looking for, um, looking to for support. So... We oh, also yeah. have to be. We also have to be careful, you know. For no, it is amazing. Well-being. It is amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like I said. I've ha- I've ha- I've certainly had. Um, I've been in the grocery store trying to finish up a conversation. Obviously, confidence uh, or confidentiality is utmost. I never use patients' names or too many details. But you know, people figure out you're a nurse or some healthcare provider, and you mm-hmm. have to be standing in the vitamin aisle, and they just start approaching you with all these symptoms and issues. And hey, is this working for me? You know, will this work for me? What do you think of this? Um, right. It's amazing how the conversation turns. Um, right. You know, just perfect strangers walking up to you. And certainly I do appreciate um, people valuing our opinion. Um, but, but yeah, you can certainly get yourself into, you know, quite quite a pickle there. Um, That's true. That's you know, true. especially when it comes to family. Um, right. It does become personal. Right. So. Yeah. But, um, and, I know, and I know this is our second show centered around death and dying issues. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Laura Lewis on. She was, I think, maybe our second guest on the show. On yeah, episode I think two it was. Three. Yeah. And now here we are, you know, with Gwen Dalton. And I think it's only going to come up again. I think we don't have anyone on the roster right now who deals specifically with this, but there's no way that we're not going to cover this issue again because it's so important and people have so much to say and, and so many deep feelings about it that I think we're going to pay more and more attention to this as time goes on. Yeah. Well, and and hopefully, you know, as the black cloud I talk about, I certainly say that, uh, you know, hopefully through RNFM radio and Laura Lewis and Gwen Dalton, that we can um, certainly get rid of that supposed uh, black cloud um, sort of feeling or connotation and 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 educate other healthcare providers out there and families. So, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I appreciate the opportunity uh, to to kind of talk about this. You know, I, 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 it's a hot topic. I, I would say so. Very controversial. Mm-hmm. So. It certainly is. And and as Gwen said. Um, you know, the baby boomers are getting older and retiring, and I'm sort of on the cusp. I'm, I'm younger. I'm on the edge of that generation. And oh, you're starting to date for... yourself. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you know, I'll be 50 in two years. So, Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, you know, this is going to be important because more and more people are going to be coming into the end of their lives. They're going to be retiring, and they're going to be looking at mortality and morbidity and and Mm -hmm. issues that they're going to need support in and for all you burgeoning nurse entrepreneurs out there this is definitely a population that's going to need a whole lot of services and i think there's room for services that we haven't even thought of yet right exactly well and again i i think it's it's great to kind of um 
you know, be on this journey, of course, uh, you know, with you and Anna here, educating other nurses, nurse entrepreneurs, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee or even non-nurses out there or even our patients mm-hmm. that we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, as you're talking about the, you know, the baby boomers, it's it's getting to be critical here to really get that education out there. So Gwen, uh, you know, Laurel Lewis and, and Gwen Dalton, you know, thank you so much for just putting that out there, paving the way, pioneering, blazing the trails uh, mm-hmm. for nurses to come uh, in the future here because, you know, essentially um, we don't want this to seem as if it's a burden. Uh, and so with the right education um, and, you know, the right tools and, and, and collaborative practice, the collaboration and pulling together and building community around this, I think that we can help people uh, especially as as it it really does become more predominant in our practice that we're going to see this um, it, this is going to be great to kind of be alongside with with these wonderful people just trying to educate and and helping with that transition so thank you guys right. um all yeah. out there providing these services and supports yeah you're so right kevin and i I just want to one more one more time just um shout out to Gwen and and tell listeners they can go to prohospicesolutions.com and they could find her at Twitter as at Hospice Heroes. And speaking of collaboration, I want to give a shout out to Anna, Anna Morrison, our uh, compatriot colleague and friend who will be listening to this podcast later. And Anna, we love you and we look forward to having you on the show again next week. Yes. And speak, speaking of next week, we will have Coach Perg, P E R G, Michael Pergram from coachperg.com. He is a nursing burnout coach. And since I do very similar work with nurses, I'm really excited to have him on. He and I met through a mutual coach friend, and I'm just so psyched for him and his new website and his passion for coaching nurses. So I think it'll be a great show. And then on Monday, April 2nd, we'll have Dr. Dean Burke. He'll be our first guest who's actually not a nurse. He's a physician and author of the book, The Millionaire Nurse. And I recently learned that his wife, who is now his complete 100% co-conspirator and colleague in his business, will also be on the show with us. And she's a nurse. So she'll round it out there and we'll have um, a doctor and nurse team on the show on February 2nd. All right. All right. No, I I can't wait to either. Uh I've actually had the pleasure of speaking with uh Coach Perg uh on some Google chats and and chatting through Facebook and stuff. So yeah. Uh looking forward to those uh next two guests actually coming up. Um so yeah, and and our uh lovely uh co-host Anna Morrison will be back with us. Um and Until then, everyone, we certainly appreciate you listening in. And, of course, if you weren't with us this evening, again, you can catch us on, of course, Apple iTunes. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows about iTunes. RNFM Radio, all one word under podcast. And then, of course, uh, promednetwork.com. We have a podcast there. Just look us up under RNFM Radio. And, of course, blogtalkradio.com forward slash RNFM Radio. And, um, yeah, all right, Keith, well, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you tonight, just the boys. Anna, we promise we'll put the toilet seat down when we leave. <laughs> That's right. So, um, All right. All right, everybody. Well, until next week, um, everybody have a wonderful week, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Okay, good night. All right. Thanks for listening to RN.FM Radio, Nursing Unleashed. 
signing off until next Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern.